Have a seat. Grab your Bible. We're in 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Listen to Paul's words. You, however, Timothy, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them. Verse 15, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Let's pray. Father, Give us, give our hearts eyes to see deep within your word this morning, deep within the heart and the character of you, our glorious and loving God. In Christ's name, amen. Last week was Mother's Day, and uh, we paused for a moment. To notice that Paul recognized the impact that Timothy's mother and grandmother had on his life. They were the ones who not only taught Timothy the sacred writings, but they helped, he said, convince them onto Timothy. Paul points this out, and we spent last week not skipping the fact that Paul. Paul made sure we understood that mom and grandma had a part in Paul and Timothy, excuse me, coming to faith. It wasn't just the sacred writings. It was the way that their life backed up the teaching. It backed up what they were saying to him was the truth. Their life reinforced it. And so, Timothy, be be steadfast. Continue in the things that you have learned, thinking back to those you've learned them from. Part of his motivation to Timothy was those who had taught him. Hebrews 13, verse 7 says this. Don't turn, just listen. Remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you. Now listen to this. Considering the result of their conduct, imitate their faith. Listen again. Remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you, But don't leave this part out. Considering the result of their conduct, now imitate their faith. What a tremendous responsibility our lives have on convincing others of the legitimacy of our faith so that they might come to faith. We play a huge role. Our our personhood, our character, our love. Or our hypocrisy has an effect on our message. Well, before we move on to the next couple of verses discussing how God himself breathed breathed the word into existence, before we get into uh, what it means to be inspired by God as is scripture, before we get into all that, I want to pause on another phrase that is easily overlooked. It's extremely important. And I think it's perhaps surprisingly relevant to our time. 
Before Paul goes into the words, all scripture is inspired, profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training, for the man of God to be adequate, before he goes into those two huge verses that you've probably memorized, that maybe this book is most known to you for, before he goes into those words, he says something about scripture that uh, we can't miss. I think maybe we, we, we skim over it because of where it was set in the last verse. But Paul has something to say about Scripture before he gets to the more popular verses, at least in our minds, about the inspiration of Scripture. Look back, verse 14. You, however, Timothy, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you've learned them, and that from childhood you have known, there they are, the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Now, what does he say about these sacred writings before he moves on to verses 16 and 17 that we, we can't miss? These sacred writings, he says, they have, they have a purpose. The purpose is to lead us to salvation, which is by faith in Christ Jesus. But there's a... There's a there's another part to the puzzle that maybe we leave out sometimes. The intent, the purpose of the sacred writings, kind of break it up into chunks, okay? Follow me. The intent or the purpose of the sacred writing is to bring, don't miss it, wisdom. Now, when we think about wisdom, don't think of wisdom like high IQ, the head of the class kind of guy, uh, genius wisdom. Don't think of wisdom in, in, in those ways. Think of wisdom in terms of taking pieces, taking facts, and being able to put them together like a puzzle so that you can see the whole and not just the individual parts. That is, that is wisdom, to be able to take pieces and put them into a whole. So don't, don't make wisdom something that maybe it's not here. Don't make wisdom uh, the smart guy and then you don't or I don't get included in that, all right? Wisdom is the ability to take those pieces and put them together so that you can see the whole. The intent, the purpose of the sacred writings is to bring wisdom, which then leads to salvation by faith in a person, a Messiah, by the name of Jesus. Now, he says something interesting here. I want you to circle a word, highlight it, whatever you do in your Bible. Make a mental note. The word able. These sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that it's going to take for you to be saved by faith in Christ Jesus. He says here that the sacred writings have an ability, have a capability you might say. The word in the Greek is dunamai. We get words like dynamic, even the word dynamite from this word. He says that the sacred writings have an intent and a purpose. From them, we glean wisdom. From that wisdom, we are led into salvation by faith in Christ Jesus. Without the wisdom, if we just have the sacred writings, we're missing a piece of the puzzle to get us led to salvation, in other words. Does that make sense? These sacred writings do something. They bring about a wisdom, a pulling together of all the parts 
That's the intent. That's the purpose. That is the dunamai. That is the dynamic that Scripture has. Or I could put it this way, that it potentially has. That it potentially has. Notice that he doesn't say that the Scriptures themselves lead to salvation. Now you're going to have to hang on here with me a little bit. Notice that he doesn't say the scriptures themselves lead us to salvation. But that they have the capability to bring us to a wisdom that leads to salvation. Uh, Follow me here for a moment. Romans 3. Paul, Paul asks a question. Maybe it helps us understand where I'm going with this. Paul asks a question. Did the Jews have any sort of advantage? He tosses it out there. Did the Jews have any sort of advantage? When it comes to salvation, do they have an upper hand? And he answers his own question by saying, they certainly did. The Hebrew people who would become the Jewish race, they they certainly had an advantage. He answers the question by saying their advantage was that they had the oracles of God. Now, the oracles of God, you could interchange that. It has a different flavor, but it's the same thing. You could interchange that with the sacred writings. They had the sacred writings. They had the word of God. Did they have an advantage having the word of God? Did they have an advantage having the oracles of God? Absolutely, they did. The word of God gives you a tremendous advantage, but it doesn't itself save you. The word of God gives you a tremendous advantage, but it does in itself save you. Having the pieces of the puzzle isn't enough. You have to put them together to get the whole picture, don't you? According to 2 Timothy 3.15, what saves you is not just the sacred writings, not just the accumulation of the pieces of the puzzle, not just the pieces of the information. What saves you is the gathering together of those pieces in what he calls here wisdom, gleaned from the word that leads you to salvation, which is namely by faith in a person named Christ who would be a person named Jesus who would be the Christ. According to Acts 6, 16, 14, don't turn, just listen. Paul was preaching and a woman gets saved. Listen to what it says in Acts 16, 14. A woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira She's a couple things here, and it's going to tell us a couple things about her. Number one, she's a seller of purple fabrics. That says something about her profession, but it also says something about her status and maybe her affluence. But she wasn't just a seller of purple fabrics. It says something else. She was a worshiper of God, i.e. the one true God of Israel. Now, what's odd about that is what comes next. Lydia seller of purple fabrics, a worshiper of God. She was listening as Paul was preaching. And then it says, and the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. What was Paul preaching? He was preaching Christ crucified. But she was a worshiper of God already. She had pieces. She had the sacred writings that have the power to gather together the pieces to grant wisdom that would lead to faith in Christ. 
the foretold Messiah in a person of Jesus. There was, there was still more. There was more than just being a worshiper of the, of the, we could say, Old Testament God. God had to put the pieces together for her as Jesus and salvation by faith was completed. Now, it was foretold to her, and she was on the right track, so to speak, but the pieces came together. Romans 3.19 talks about the purpose and intent of the law. Listen to this now. The sacred writings that Timothy was taught from as a child, let me explain this. The sacred writings that, that are mentioned here that Timothy was taught of as a child are the Old Testament books. Primarily, it's referring to the five books at the beginning of your Bible, sometimes referred to as the law. That's what Timothy was being taught by Lois and Eunice. That's what every good little Hebrew boy and Hebrew girl would be taught. That's what they would memorize. That, that made up the sacred writings. Now, we know that the sacred writings were added too. But when Paul mentions here that from childhood you were taught the sacred writings, that's what he's referring to, no. Any good Jew would have learned those. But the intent and the purpose of those sacred scriptures was always, even from Genesis, to lead, to lead the follower, the worshiper of the one true God, to the person of Jesus, who would be the Messiah. Romans 3.19 talks of this purpose. Listen. Now we know, Paul says, that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law. Now again, when he mentions the law here, he's talking specifically about the Mosaic law, the moral law. But the first five books of the Old Testament are also called the law. Okay? So you could, you could think cumulatively about the law. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law. So that, here's the purpose... Every mouth may be stopped. And the whole world may be held accountable to God. The intent of the sacred writings, you could say, was to stop every mouth. What does that mean to stop every mouth? It means to, to shut everyone up for any, from any uh, defense they could make of themselves. No one could say, I'm okay. No one could say, I'm perfect. The intent of the sacred writings the law and all that encompass the sacred writings, the intent of that, you might be able to put a fuller bracket around that if you want, of the Old Testament, was to say, here is the law. Here are the rules. Try and keep them. And then as you tried to keep them, you realized that you could not. And so what it did was it led that person through those laws and it led them to a guilt, a guilt that they couldn't remedy on their own. What should have happened in the mind of the Old Testament man? In those, we could say, that read and learn from the mind of the Old Testament man or woman, uh, including us, what, what should have been going on in the mind of a guy like Timothy as he's learning from the sacred writings? Same thing that should be going on in our mind as we read now a fuller version of the sacred writings. Here it is. We recognize our inability to keep the law perfectly. Follow me here. And we turn to God for grace and mercy. Recognizing our inability to keep the law 
we turn to God, throw up our hands and say, we can't do it. Our only hope is to cry out to him for grace and mercy. Now God, who is rich in grace and mercy, who has always had a plan to remedy our guilt. Follow me now. He makes a way for our guilty state. There'll be a payment made on your behalf, he says. There'll be a payment made on your behalf. Right now, it'll be an animal. Later on, it'll be a man. Right now, it'll be a symbol and a shadow. One day, it'll come very clear. There'll be a man who gives his life to justify your sin debt. He'll not just be a man, he'll be a God-man. He'll be God on the cross. So what do you do? We look through the symbols and the shadows of the Old Testament towards the fulfillment of those symbols and shadows. And here's what we do. We act in faith. If I'm that Old Testament guy, here's what's going on in my mind. I'm going to act in faith now, expecting that through my acting out in faith, according to God's grace and mercy, that Scripture says He's rich in, that His promise will come true and my debt will be paid for. So all the way from back there, it was by faith that they acted out, plead guilty, God, I need mercy, I need grace. Now they act in obedience. They take the shadows and they walk in obedience looking through those shadows, looking through those symbols for one day the Messiah that would come, that would fulfill the picture, that would put color to the black and white. It's funny. Uh, it's funny how clear things often become in hindsight, isn't it? That as we look back now through, through history, through Scripture, and we look back towards that Old Testament man or even a Timothy or a Paul, who have the sacred writings and they're trying to put the pieces together, and so many of them missed it, so many of them did not find the wisdom that would lead them to salvation, a salvation that is by faith in Christ Jesus. It's easy, it seems to us, to look back and see the order of things, see how clear the shadows are, to see how, how obvious the symbols are. Galatians 3.24 says this, Therefore, the law has become our, literally, our pedagogue, our tutor, to walk alongside us, to lead us to Christ. Those sacred writings, they bring wisdom as they tutor us towards the fulfillment of every shadow and of every symbol in the person of Jesus Christ. They tutor us so that, he says, we may be justified by faith, i.e. not by the law. In other words, don't get stuck back here. Don't get stuck back here in the sacred writings, looking at the individual pieces, seeing every individual tree, but never seeing the forest for the trees. The eternal plan of what God is doing through all of that as a culmination of eternal history. The sacred writings had the ability, had the power 
they were able, listen, they were able to lead you into that wisdom. But it didn't always happen that way. The truth is that the truth was often missed. Wisdom wasn't seen. The pieces didn't come together for the Jews all the time, did they? When Jesus arrived on the scene, rejected. He wasn't recognized. The pieces didn't all come together. The sacred writings that some of the worshipers of the one true God had devoted themselves to had gotten so lost in the sacred writings that they didn't find the wisdom in the sacred writings that was capable of leading them to faith in Christ Jesus. The word was there for them and certainly uh, capable, but not all hearts were fertile ground for the seed of the word that was planted. Let me explain what I mean by that. In Luke 8, Jesus teaches a parable. It's a parable about a sower of seeds. Jesus explains that the seed in the parable is the word of God. The seed is the word of God. For our context, you could say it's the sacred writings. The seed of the word of God is planted in various types of soil, according to his parable. Now, this soil represents the various conditions of the heart of man. So you've got a seed, which represents our sacred writings, the word of God. And you've got a soil that that seed is to be planted in. And that soil represents the various hearts of humanity. Now listen, the power, the dunamai of the word of God, of the seed, is certainly capable, is certainly able to bring about salvation but, but, listen now, its effectiveness in doing so depends on the condition of the soil of each of our hearts. The only one who, the only ones who hear it and understand the wisdom of the word are, Jesus says, quote, the ones who have heard the word in honest and good heart and hold it fast and bear fruit with perseverance. Not all will. Not all will. Not all the soil is prepped and ready for the seed of the word of God to be implanted in it. We're starting a community garden. And uh, we don't have a seed in the ground yet. And uh, if you know anything about gardening, we're a little late, right? Especially if we're starting from a seed. Why not? What's the holdup? Uh, the holdup has been the ground. This Georgia clay you guys have up here, that's the holdup. And we've had guys over there plowing it up, busting it up, tilling it up, time after time after time, and uh, pulling rocks out, trying to figure it out. And uh, we had somebody who said, hey, let us give you some, check this out, soil conditioner. That's what they call it. We need to give you some soil conditioner to mix into that dry Georgia clay to make it ready to receive the seed. If we'd have planted the seed prior to, the fruit would have been sparse at best. Lest we get the soil ready first, so that the seed, when planted in it, 
has somewhere to grab hold of and root. The seed can be fine, you see? The seed of the Word of God, of the sacred writings, it could be perfect in and of itself. But lest the heart of the man is prepared, unless the soil is ready, the seed's, the seed's not going to germinate. It's not going to do any. It's not going to do anything. It'll die right there. The Word of God is able to bring wisdom. It's able to bring wisdom that leads to salvation. But the soil of the heart of men and women who sit in churches every Sunday aren't always ready. Our hearts aren't always ready, are they? I got to ask the question, you know, can this really happen, right? Let's move from Old Testament to to now. Let's let's talk about us. Can Can this kind of thing really happen? Can you collect truth but never really apply it? Can we, could we possibly do that? That's exactly what happened to the Jew. And they missed Jesus, foretold Christ. Many missed it. And that's exactly what happens in modern Christianity. When we collect some of the pieces but we never put them together. We miss the purpose of the foretold Messiah. We don't allow these writings to do what they're able to do, namely to bring not just simple facts, not just stories, not just accumulated knowledge, but we don't allow them to bring the wisdom, the putting together of the pieces that leads somewhere. It leads a man or a woman or a child to salvation and not just religious activity that seems so prevalent in our churches today. There's always been and uh, certainly continues to be a danger in the accumulation of biblical uh, info without the willingness to imply it to the point of salvation. It's always been a problem. Likely it'll always until God calls this thing to an end, continue to be an issue. Let me insert something here. Um, I think I've got a couple minutes. There is, I think, a great danger in the way we teach Scripture. Across the board, but uh, let me speak specifically to how we teach Scripture to our children and see if you can fit this in to our point this morning. We teach Scripture... Uh, as if it's a stockpile of facts to be hoarded by our children. A collection of stories just to be memorized. When Paul says that Timothy ought to continue in the things which he has learned and become convinced of, understand this, that Lois and Eunice were not interested in, in a son who could regurgitate simple facts but a son who would be reborn in light of truth, understood truth, truth with a purpose towards salvation. You see the difference? Israel showed us how easily humans can miss the point. They were experts at at the knowing, weren't they? They were experts at the knowing, but there wasn't always wisdom in their knowing. 
Our challenge is to not just accumulate, stockpile, hoard the pieces, uh, the bits of information about our God. Even if we believe He is the one true God, it's to see the wisdom throughout the story as it comes together and it culminates on a cross. And all too often, that wisdom doesn't come. And many of us sit Sunday in and Sunday out getting piece after piece after piece of the puzzle, but we never find in wisdom the ability or the desire to put the pieces together, to see the love of God culminating in the sacrifice of His Son. And so then for it never leads us to salvation. And so we can have this, but we, we're missing the salvation by faith in Christ Jesus. Just like so many of old have done. Uh, let me throw this out to you and I'll pick it back up next week in next week's message. Um, if, it were, if it were so challenging or difficult for the people of God, for the nation of Israel who had the advantage of the oracles of God, mind you. If it was so difficult for them to put the pieces together, how much more difficult for those of us who aren't included in those who receive the oracles of God, for the modern man who looks at this not as a sacred collection of scriptures, nor do we look at the God of these scriptures as divine. He's simple simply a, a, a crutch for weak humanity. He's no better than Zeus or Batman. How much more difficult for the modern man who, who doesn't find these things to be sacred and who doesn't find God to, to even be believable? Much more. Much more. And so it's easier for us to accumulate the facts but never put the pieces together. To have the sacred writings skip the wisdom and we never get led to salvation via faith in the foretold Christ Messiah who would be a person named Jesus. And that's a, that's a, that's a scary thought. Ask yourself this morning, have you learned some things about God and yet never been convinced? Have you learned some things, maybe many things, about God, but you have never been convinced? Do you know some things, even lots of things, but never found the wisdom in them? The pieces have never come together so that you could see that forest of God's beautiful, eternal, magnificent plan of love throughout eternity to redeem humanity to himself. And so now you're caught in religious activity. <laughs> and you may even have some knowledge of the sacred writings and our sacred activities and our sacred habits and all the rest of our religiosity but you've missed the love of God because the pieces of his eternal plan and puzzle 
have not come together in wisdom for you. You don't see that from Genesis to Revelation, God is telling the story of redemption by faith, of grace through faith in Christ, which is going to be a gift from Him if you're looking from the Old Testament. And you're simply looking towards that promise of grace. And you're moving in faith through the Old Testament. Or if you're, if you're the New Testament guy, like a Timothy. Or like us. You don't see that everything now changes through the cross. And instead it's just an accumulation of stories, principles, good lessons, good teachers. But there is no... There is no purpose. There is no pulling together in wisdom. My father-in-law um, and my mother-in-law moved down from Indiana recently and uh, that Georgia clay has been a little different for them. And he's been working in his yard and told me the other day that he was going to plant a little tree in his yard. And he said he got out there with his shovel and uh, he started digging down and he hit the concrete. What he realized, it turned out not to be concrete. It was just the Georgia clay dried up into one big hard rock. And he said he went in, got the hose, ran it out there, turned the hose on, went inside, had a cup of coffee, watched some TV, came back out, clink, still not getting in. And he went on and on and on about just how hard the ground is here. And he said, I just had to leave that water pouring over that hardened ground until it softened it enough to where I could break my way through. Uh, it occurred to me that as we are planting seeds of God's word, his truth, into the hearts, the various hearts of men, women, and children, it might require, it might require some softening and some hearts that are hardened. The only thing I can tell you is, um, is that the love of your God is sufficient to melt the hardest of hearts. So that somehow, some way, we can break through. That's the, only, that's the only answer I can give you, is to pour the love of God on the hardened heart. Let the Holy Spirit work in such a way through the love of God that that heart is broken and the seed can take root and wisdom can be found in all that God has been doing and plans to do. That the cross can be seen as the climax of human history. That everything before leads to and everything since comes from. Why don't you pray with me? Paul said, Paul said that uh, it was the love of God that compelled him. God's love was 
the motivating factor for everything Paul did in coming to Christ and in moving forward all the way to his death. In his living and dying for Christ, it was the love of God that compelled him. So let me take just a moment as we pray, as you pray. to help us uh, maybe melt our hardened hearts a little bit. It is because, Father, of your great love for us that you hate our sin. The banner of authority that you fly over us is your love. Your patience holds because of your love. You watched your son tortured and murdered because of your love. In fact, you were God on a cross because of your love. Your justice, Father, is satisfied by your love. You call us to repentance in love. Lord, soften our hearts with your love. Lord, we will sing and we will shout and we will draw near to you because of your great love. And our hearts overflow with joy at the thought of your love. God, grant wisdom. Grant wisdom. Wisdom beyond our knowledge. Wisdom beyond the accumulation of the facts about you. Might we see in the cross of Jesus All things, all truth understood. Lord, I can't make these people love you anymore. many days I wish I could I can't make them sing any louder I can't make them live any more faithfully I can't make them love each other any, any better I can't push them any closer to you 
Lord, I've got all I can do just to, just to draw near myself, to get out of my own way, to find, to find the wisdom in all you've done, to find it in a clear way that, that satisfies So Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, whatever mystery there is in this thing of wisdom that Paul speaks of here, whatever wisdom, whatever wisdom means, Lord, I, I fear we've only scratched maybe the surface of your intent in this passage but would you grant it anyway? Lord, for one who's sitting right now with their, with their eyes closed, doing their best to, to block out their, their random thoughts right now and trying to hear what your spirit has to say, Father, would you grant them an ear to hear hearing that goes straight to their heart. Lord, would you pull the pieces together? Might we see the sacrifice of Christ, his death, his resurrection, and even his ascension to glory. Might we see it in a fresh way this morning that moves us so that we might be transformed Lord, as we teach, as we teach your word, might our lives reinforce, might our lives convince. Lord, I pray we start at an early age, teaching, convincing. Lord, I pray we do more than just accumulate and hoard our, our Bible stories and memory verses. Lord, I pray we teach and we convince with the purpose of salvation by faith in Christ Jesus. I pray we teach towards wisdom, towards understanding, towards a bringing together of these sacred truths. Lord, we... We don't want to just conform our lives into the likeness of Christ. We want to be transformed. We need rebirth. Soften our hearts with your love. Lord, as we, uh, as we stand to leave, I pray that our hearts would overflow with joy at the thought of your love. In Jesus' name, who is our cornerstone, amen.